Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Brian. We're here to talk about The Fast and the Furious, starring Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Tom Berry, Ted Levine, Chad Lindbergh, Matt Schultz, and Rick Yoon. Directed by Rob Cohen, released in 2001 on a $38 million budget, grossed $207 million at the box office. And I don't know if it's fair to say this one launched the franchise into what it is now. That's more like what part four's job was, I think. But this definitely started a thing, and I remember it distinctly. And we're covering this on Filmstrip now because in an offline conversation once, Lindsay's like, oh, yeah, my Brian can quote that movie end to end. And I'm like, well, sold. So last time we were doing some Top Gun Mavericks, and we're right back in your wheelhouse here again, man. So you're you're the expert. What's what's your background with the Fast and Furious, man. Uh, my background is uh, my fiance does tend to give me a little too much credit sometimes. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a favorite movie, and and there's quite a bit of it that I can uh, quote without issue. But um, you know that that's that's kind of my background with it. Uh, it's it's really just one of those things. It's it's always been a favorite. Um, there's certain aspects of it that have been something that. Uh, you know, I've just never really forgotten about and, and certain things that you kind of remember from, from when you're growing up. And, and even now today, uh, I, I kind of have a guilty pleasure for those, those giant spoilers, you know, the, the massive whale tales that we remember seeing in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that kind of wraps it up. I, I hope that answers it for you. For, for just a little bit of added uh, sprinkles onto that, Brian likes to say he collects those spoilers every time he sees a whale tail on the back of a car. <laughs> he adds it to his like mental Rolodex collection. That, that is quite a thing to, to keep in mind because I, I don't know about where y'all grew up. I didn't see a lot of those <laughs> growing down uh, in, uh, in Alabama, but I do remember when this movie came out because it was right at the uh, I don't know, summer right before I finished grad school, I think. And I was, you know, working full time. I'd finally gotten you know into the career stuff. And so I, ha- I was in this phase of life where I really wasn't doing movies that much, but everybody wouldn't stop talking about this thing. And so I was like, okay, what's the big deal? And so I went and saw it and I think I kind of knew who Paul Walker was because I'd seen Varsity Blues and I'd seen like the Skulls, I think. And that's really what got him this gig, I understand, because Rob Cohen directed that. And I thought, okay, you know, it looks, uh, the trailer looks okay. Sure, we'll go for it. And I remember going to see it in theaters with some buddies and be like, okay, yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. And why are we ripping off DVD players? But okay, sure. You know, and I thought, I just thought it was just like, you know, okay, big dumb action movie. 20 something years later, I mean, it's this whole thing. And it's, I, I'm like, man, of all the, I mean, it's like that joke of like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, raise your hand if on your bingo card you had Everclear as the post grunge band that would still be around. <laughs> I didn't, like, this was not the one I would have picked, but okay. You know, like Fast and Furious is, it was a thing. And it definitely was was a uh, a cultural hallmark right of when like car culture just sort of took over the 
I don't know, youth zeitgeist for a little while. And I don't know. I, I'm I like, as far as being a car guy, like I can do basic maintenance on my own car, but all this kind of stuff I could never do. But I did grow up driving Hondas. So I sort of have an affinity for some of what this movie's about. But yeah, I, 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 that part of it never really like hit me. So I didn't, I didn't do street racing and that kind of stuff. And, uh, didn't really know anybody did any of that kind of stuff, but I, I didn't think it was, you know, it looked cool at the time. So either of you, Lindsay, are you, are you a lead foot drag racer yourself uh, secretly or? Uh... <laughs> I definitely have a lead foot and I have a reckless driving ticket to prove it on my record, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I remember I too went to see this movie at the theater. I was in high school at the time when it came out. So everyone, everyone was going to see it. Uh, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, huge heartthrobs at the time. And this movie, I think the year prior, Gone in 60 Seconds had come out. And um, so this was a different flavor of that. Um, But, you know, like a better. This was like the Ben and Jerry's version of the (laughs) of the the Walmart brand ice cream that was Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> 60 seconds is its own like thing and i could i could talk for days about some of the acting choices made in that movie and not even about nicholas cage but everybody else um in that yeah. movie but yeah th- i definitely think this is influenced there and i mean you know we, you have to go without saying like the, the point break references i think a lot of people have made that yeah. through the years i actually found out years later like for a long time i was like oh yeah they just kind of you know hollywood recycles everything whatever but it was totally like just blind synchronicity like they weren't even aware that they were doing that until like oh yeah we are kind of just doing that again and we did sort of cast the blonde Keanu as the, as the lead <laughs> oh my god he know. even talks like Keanu Reeves oh, that's the scary part is there's like line moments where you're like oh that's He's not doing that on purpose, though. And I, look, rest in peace, Paul Walker. But no, he's just a bad actor. I mean, this is what he does. Like, if you, every movie he's in, he does the same line delivery. I mean, it's, he could have been playing a quarterback in Texas one day. The next day, he's playing a rich kid at a prep school. And the next one, he's you know ripping off cars and, and uh, Coachella, whatever. But you know? that is <laughs> how you make money as an actor, is you know your typecast. And if you know your typecast, that is half the battle. And then you're yeah. golden. And Vin Diesel is just like a G.I. Joe figure come to life. I mean, that's kind of his whole thing in life. Yeah, he was actually. But, uh, you know, did, did he look smaller? Yeah. Than you remember? He did. Yeah. It's because he actually is, is small. small. Like, that's that's the other thing. Like, you know, Patrick Swayze, also not a very big dude, but a rather buff dude when he was in, in his heyday and, you know, not a big guy. So Vin Diesel kind of got by on the I'm I'm swole but i'm not tall uh thing in life which you know he got swoller though yeah he got bigger i I, want to say the the pacifier even i I think he was a little bit i I remember the pacifier as well yes so we we he had the the rock to contend with so i mean i mean when you put people up next to that dude (laughs) who was an actual defensive lineman at one time or another that's not really fair to vin diesel but yeah, I, re- I remember this though. And you know, again, it, it's one of those movies, like I say, that, that definitely hit a, a moment in culture and there's a lot to get into when you, when you dig into it. But yeah, um, I, you know, again, I, I've never done the whole car customization thing. Lindsay, I don't know if you have or not. Brian, has that ever been part of your, your world life things that you've been into? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, um, my first truck, I pretty much, uh, rebuilt from the ground up, you know, I, my first truck, I, I wanted something that, um, I was able to haul and, and tow with, uh, but I didn't really have the money for a real truck. And by that, I mean, I, I really only had the money for like a base model, you know, Chevy work truck. It, uh, it had rubber floors. It, it didn't even have a cassette player, you know, it was roll up <laughs> windows, no tints, no air conditioning, um, V six, two wheel drive, you know, that, that, that was all it was. Um, but by the time it was sold, uh, it had a, you know, fully customized sound system, totally brand new interior, uh, custom exhaust. We had a lift kit on there. It had a CB radio, uh, which paid for itself on more than one occasion. I don't know if, 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 um, you ever watched Smokey and the Bandit or anything like that, <laughs> yeah. but the, the, these truckers still do tell people where the police, uh, sit and hide. So that was always good to know. <laughs> yep. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's something I've always done and, and we're actually getting ready to, um, fully restore the Jeep Wrangler that I had when I was in high school. Oh, very Not cool, to mention cool. countless tractors and jet skis that, that you too. restored. Yep. Yes. The jet skis we talked about a little bit on the, on the Top Gun show, but yeah, I, I knew you, you did a little bit of that kind of work. So I wanted to set you up for it, uh, as well. But you know, uh, just to the Smokey and the Bandit reference, I grew up in Alabama, man. Yes. I watched that movie. <laughs> I can quote that for you. I mean, some of it, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know, I know that one quite well. And most of its theme songs too. But, yeah. yeah. I, no, I, I know that one well. My brother and I actually have just sort of running jokes. Um, where we'll just throw lines at at that at each other all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I use one that, as a crossover to football all the time when I'm talking about a bad defense. Like these guys couldn't close an umbrella, and uh, you know that's that's what <laughs> Jackie Gleason, a, a, a comic treasure. Uh, nobody with near that charisma in this movie, but you know, hey, there's some decent people. We get a Bond uh, bad guy in this. And, uh, Matt Schultz is a guy that I've seen in other stuff. And I think he was in one of these new metal bands for a while. That's why he's screwing around on a guitar at one point. And, you know, you got Buffalo Bill in there. I mean, Hey, you know, he's pretty much just walking off the set of monk and going, well, let's do that again. Okay. You know, or, or playing the cop that he wasn't heat. I mean, I, yeah, I'd seen him in other stuff at that point. And, uh, but I didn't know who Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana Brewster really were at the time. And I think, you know, they both went on to become, uh, pretty big stars and in, in their own right and do a lot of different things. I think Michelle Rodriguez was just sort of like the sporty friend in movies for like 20 years, you know, and she still looks the same, which means yeah. she's at least part vampire. Like, that's all she's I like think. the badass girl, you know, like yeah. she can, she can play a, you know, Navy seal or maybe not a Navy seal, but you know what I mean? Like some military lady going into space and like, whatever. She's badass. It- it's like somebody saw aliens as a kid and said, I'm going to base my whole acting career by being Vasquez. And yeah. she's sort of Vasquez come to life. She's yeah. In everything she plays. Yeah, she really is. Like if they remade it, she could just be Vasquez. But, Again, uh, typecasting actors. That's how you make your money. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of it. I mean, I even think the guy that they've got in here, Chad Lindbergh playing the kind of, mad scientist techie engineer kid is pretty much just like Giovanni Ribisi's stand in, uh, from gone in 60 seconds. I mean, they even look the same. So, um, and I'm not so certain that he wasn't in Bo- boiler room as well, but, 
yeah, I, you know, the movie was huge, and I guess we should dive into it. So I'm going to try this plot summary here, but in honor of our good friend Ron, uh, I, I decided I'm going to try to do this as if Ron were here in spirit with us. So here we go. <laughs> Imagine Point Break, but 10 times more sweaty with a new metal soundtrack replacing surf culture with street racing culture. Brian O'Connor plays an, is an undercover cop trying to infiltrate a local street racing gang as the LAPD and feds work together to bust a crew that pulls off high-speed heists of 18-wheelers hauling DVDs, VCRs, and stereo equipment brian befriends the biggest gearhead and muscle beach aficionado of the cruise don Pareto, a guy with a mysterious past short temper and a hot sister and though some of don's crew smell a pig from a mile away with brian dom dismisses all of this especially after brian and he escaped johnny tran a bond henchman villain archetype who's dom's main rival and yakuza or something i don't know uh brian even courts mia dom's sister which uh, starts clouding his judgment as it's obvious to everyone even detective buffalo bill that toretta's crew are clearly the ones behind all of this but after race wars where the street racers decide to stop breaking the law and just go to the desert to race uh, and it all goes south when one of dom's crew loses to tram but bails rather than pay up Brankovitz is dominant to let him go on the next heist, and that goes bad when the guy who's been you know, pretty sure that uh, Brian Scott the whole time gets his arm shot off nearly and tied up with a vengeful trucker, and Brian swoops in to save him, and of course reveals he's caught when he calls in the medevac. Trans crew comes in after him, and they're finally dispatched in a wild shootout, and Brian chases Dom, and they race one more time, which ends near death as they both jump through a train straight out of Grand Theft Auto 5, but Dom decides to take his eyes off the road and doesn't see the oncoming traffic, has a huge wreck, but before the cops can get there to sew it all up, Brian gives him his keys and tells him to drive away as he walks off into the sequel and credits roll. And that's basically the Fast and the Furious as it goes down. There's a little bit more, there's a whole scene about tuna fish we're going to have to talk about, and you know, I've got questions, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there, there's stuff going on, but I mean, this movie's pretty straightforward. I, I do want to kind of take a look at our, our characters and just the way that they all play each other. We, we've Talked a little bit about old Paul Walker here. I got to say, like, for what he's asked to do in this, I I rather enjoy him. I do find him to have a very fun presence. He's just easy to kind of just go with because he's the, like, super good-looking guy, right? But he also looks like he could just be your friend. Yeah, he's very enjoyable. And his first introduction where he's wearing those Chuck Taylors as he's driving the car Mm-hmm. I immediately transported back to high school when at least in the early aughts, I mean, I don't know if they've ever really gone out of style, but checks were everything at that point. Like, it's like, yeah, he's just the cool guy. He's just the cool blonde haired, you know, dude, California guy. Yeah. Not only that, but he's, he's also the friendly guy behind the auto parts counter that also actually knows what he's talking about, which is totally unheard of these days, you know, and it's always so friendly and unexpected when you come across something like that. Um, and, and just, he, he seems so welcoming too, but just the way he's able to kind of accommodate those orders um, and, and, and interface with the customers. Absolutely. Just seems like a regular neighborhood guy. I mean, it's, it, you know it now because it's the big twist of the movie, but I, I'd forgotten because been a while since I've seen this, that they spend about 20, 25 minutes here hiding the fact that he's a cop. And I wanted to ask both of you, like when they finally reveal that, is that a surprise at all? Because I'm, I mean, I don't, I guess I'm, I don't know a time when I didn't know what this movie was about. So it's hard to remember that I know he was a cop from the beginning. Cause I mean, if you didn't know that, you'd think like, what's the point of all this? Is this guy just trying to get in with the cool kids or what's he doing? You know? Yeah. I just assumed uh, originally transporting back to 2001. Um, 
I guess, yeah. I just assumed he was some guy like new in town trying to get in. I don't know if I ever until that point realized he was a cop. Maybe it was a big twist for me. But when I when I just watched it again, I was like, Oh yeah, this is the point where they where we find out he's a cop. Like I don't know. I'll tell you, I, I from from what I recall, I didn't think he was a cop because he you know, he got his butt kicked outside that cafe. Yes. Um, and, and if he was a cop to me, I, I, I guess I would have thought that he would have been able to at least hold his own, not get pinned on the ground by someone who's roughly about the same size. Um, now that said, I, I don't think I was totally surprised, you know, when, when I kind of did find out he was a cop. Um, but it wasn't something that I would say I, I did see coming. I do think this movie does a good job of mixing in the, like the heavy, I guess you'd call it like tech dialogue or whatever. I, I usually call it like the technology mumbo jumbo of whatever it is where clearly, I don't know what you're talking about, but if you can sell it to me, to, you know, convincingly I'm there. It's the joke. Like every mechanic, you know, tells you what they talk about. Like if you listen to NASCAR, you know, which I grew up watching a lot of NASCAR and you listen to these guys talk about what's going on. You're like, I don't know what the hell you just said, but did it make me go faster? You know, that's what, that's what these guys say. And but that's funny to watch Paul Walker sort of work in that scene. And he gets in with the street racers and that opening street race is really cool. Cause they're all looking at him like, what is white bread doing here? But he clearly can hold his own. Like he knows what he's talking about. And that first race is pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, just stage stuff or whatever, but the stonework in this is, I, it took me back to a different time. I'm like, Oh man, this, this is after Phantom Menace, but nobody could afford those effects. So we still had to do it the old way. And I, I kind of miss that. There's something quaint about these movies. Cause a lot of these fast and furious movies, it's a lot of very practical effects with those cars. Oh, I thought that uh, first race scene was real <laughs> when he blew past and flipped on the NAS. Could have fooled me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to do. Brian, please explain to me what, what exactly nitrous oxide will do for you in a shot. Is it just a shot of adrenaline to an engine? From what I recall, more or less. I've never put NAS in anything that I've done. <laughs> Um, but not in your old truck. No, no, not. Without that. Uh, I mean, from what I remember, it, it, it's a different type of fuel that it injects. It's not something that can burn continuously. And if you do so for too long, um, it'll, it'll blow the engine apart, which is really what ended up happening. Um, but it's nitrous oxide, you know, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just my- I just think it's like it's like anything in these movies. You've got to have something that just I don't, looks cool for someone to do besides just driving the car at this insane speed, right? <laughs> and the so the but the whole bit is that these and what I always find funny about these kind of movies is characters are having like dialogue with each other when they clearly cannot hear one another and they're not supposed to, but they're still having conversations like yeah. with each other. Like, no, I'm coming for you, Monica. It was Ja Rule over there doing that. And, you know, Paul Walker's having his own internal monologue and then Vin Diesel's like too slow, you know, or whatever, doing his best <laughs> alone. And I mean, it's just funny. I'm like, it hit me this time. I was like, it's funny. These movies, these people are all talking to each other and they friggin' can't hear each other. There's no, they're not hooked together. They're not talking. Like they're just talking trash into the air. I thought that too. If you've ever been to a racetrack of any kind, when there are a bunch of cars going with really loud engines, you can't, you have to really yell 
I don't know. What? I mean, listen to the internal of like a NASCAR, like the driver and the crew that he's talking to. You basically barely understand what he must be coming on the internet. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like. But if you if you close caption it and somebody's actually able to do it, it's like, please be careful on your left. The forty three cars having a bad day. You know, you might want to. You might want. That's a Bush brother coming up on you. You might want to move. You know, th- things like that. I mean, but I, I think that's fun though. I mean, it's what makes these kind of things fun. And that racing is pretty cool i mean the way they deck those cars out and stuff but what i love is paul walker (laughs) realizing that he just got his butt kicked like twice in a day like he got beat up outside of the the fish restaurant hitting on the girl right and then he got his butt kicked in a race (laughs) and he tries to play it off like oh man i had you and then uh, (laughs) vin diesel like does this whole monologue and i'm like Bro, you worship <laughs> Sylvester Stallone in a serious way. <laughs> I like the crowd cheering for each one in, in different ways, and, and no matter which way it went, that's the yeah. one they were for. Yeah. Oh, he got you. Yeah. There was – also, I never really considered it until now, but the amount of of coordination required to hold a race like – that is mm-hmm. crazy to me. I mean, obviously they do it a lot, so it's, you know, a well-oiled machine. <laughs> um, but it's, I don't know. I just never really thought about it. It's All definitely not part, just, I, yeah. People I think there's one member of the gang whose only job is to just listen to the radio <laughs> and just see when yeah. the cops are coming. Keep, keep an eye. I got to have someone on cop watch. But I mean, it's really not that different. It's It's a flash mob with cars. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And it's still done on the Greenway. That's yeah, that's yeah. true. Yep. But I mean, you can. I mean, well, you know, it's it, Lindsay. You and I both do a lot of road ra- running and racing and things like that. And mm-hmm. just sometimes I'll, I'm thinking to myself in the middle of a long run, I'm like, God, just to think, like, okay, I need four people here just to constantly point in that direction so people don't go up the wrong <laughs> hill. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I I appreciate you because I would be like, which way am I supposed to go? I'm very tired now. Yep. You know, so yeah. I, that's always good to, to see, but we, we see a lot of Brian there, but I want to get your impressions of Dom. Cause I've sort of led you what I, what I think of him. I mean, I think Vin Diesel is a low rent Stallone and in a lot of ways, and that's okay. Cause that can work in the right scene. And what I'll say about this movie is that, that they get is that you don't need a ton of him and you don't need a lot of him doing things, but they give him at least two monologues in this movie that seem so out of whack for me. And it's when he's, it's the first one is right. It's when he's, taking down Brian for you didn't even know what you were doing. You were double clutching fuck it all up and all this stuff. And then it's later on when he does what I can only call the Phoebe Cates gremlins thing where he talks about beating the guy half to death at the ridge. And I'm like, well, that did that did not land well. Uh, but, but otherwise, I mean, I found him to be pretty fun in this movie. He's because he, again, they don't ask him to do a lot, but kind of stand there and look shiny. <laughs> <laughs> And he did that really well, Jay. He's so good at being at being like, you know, meaty and shiny. <laughs> He's a little bit of like the living volleyball scene of the first Top Gun movie. He doesn't really need to do anything but look That's shiny it. in the sun. He's the entire volleyball scene. Um he no, that yeah, the first monologue was okay. And the second one, I don't think it was his acting. That was the issue with it. I think it was the writing was more, I mean, you needed the exposition, like it needed to be in there somehow. We needed to know why he beat this guy half to death, but Mm -hmm. it, uh, it kind of came out of nowhere 
Like he's just opening yeah. his heart to someone he just met and barely knows. And it seemed a little out of character, but I don't think that's Vin Diesel's fault. I don't, I think he did what he could with it. And I thought he did an excellent job <laughs> being meaty and shiny and delivering those monologues. Have either of you ever seen This is Spinal Tap? No, I haven't. Okay, well, this don't mean anything, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'll cut it out later. So what you're basically saying is that Vin Diesel was uh, Stonehenge in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. And so I need you to go watch that movie, so now you'll get that joke. I Actually, um, I think I own it. I've just never seen it. Oh, I have it like on. I know I have it on yeah. DVD, and it you just to, never you, made its way to a player. You need that in its life in your life. Let me tell you. I, I mean, with that one scene in the garage, I, I would agree. It as something absolutely needed to be said. Uh, it, it certainly came off a little random, but you know, the feeling I got is that they were he was trying to go for that brotherly relationship where um, you know you, you kind of share certain things that maybe you're not so proud of that kind of makes you a little more human, maybe a little more relatable. Um, and yeah, he, he absolutely just met him, but you know, I, I don't know how you're supposed to kind of develop these relationships in a two hour movie or so. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of tough, but a lot of the street racing does happen pretty fast. Um, he didn't know him for too long, but in the times that he did know him to this point, those, those times have been some, some pretty committed risks, you know, taking him, running him from the cops, um, helping him out there. Uh, doing other street races with him, um, showing up with a car with with what he was supposed to show up with, um, and and then kind of going above and beyond and, and claiming to break into different garages to figure out what other people were going to run. I mean, it, it's not like I just met this guy at the door. You know, he's he's kind of <laughs> given me a little bit to this point. So so I think I could kind of share a little bit with him at this point. <laughs> That is fair. I mean, Vince does call him out when they first get back to the house party after they've run away from the cops, and apparently the Yakuza show up too. We'll get to Johnny Tran in a minute. But he finally gets him back home for the house party, and Vin Diesel's like, you know, I brought him over here because he's the only one that stood up for me. And, like, you get this sense that, like, Brian is like, yes, I just – all I had to do was be a good Boy Scout to this guy, and all of a sudden I'm his best friend. Which, I mean, sure, I get it. I mean, it's it's a – we're just telling the quick bonding story because they got to have something to to connect over. What I think is funny, and you called it out when they catch him like breaking into those different warehouses. He's doing police work, and of course Vince knows like this guy's a cop. Like he's like Scott yeah. Evil over here. Like just shoot him, just go, just shoot him, and we're, you know, we're right. And no, he's not, he's not a cop. I promise he's not a cop. Which <laughs> Dom is so wrong, incredibly wrong. The whole movie about that, but Vince knows it, and I love how. Paul Walker has to lay off the worst bullshit lines he can. Like, man, I can't lose again, man. I got, I got to find an edge. He's like, so you, you breaking into where, what? And Vin Diesel buys that. I'm like, bro, are you sure you're the ones ripping off the heist? Cause that, we got to talk about those heists, y'all. Those are insane. They got harpoon. Not guns. only, not only bought the excuse, but then <laughs> took it a step further and went with him to Trans Garage. What a great idea. Let's go do let's this. Do let's this. Let, me, let me help you do your police work. <laughs> but, but Dom and Brian keep like they love each other so much. They just see what they want to see in the other person the entire movie. 
I mean, I have this secret theory that like Dom is like, man, you know, Mia, I love you. You're my sister, but you cost a lot of money. Can you get out the house? And he's like, you know what? This white boy seems to have something going on. Let me get her married off. And then I can move on. But I don't know. That's maybe just my own personal theory. But See, I think a little bit differently. You know, I think um, Mia is his marketing and advertising for the cafe. Dom's back there in that little back room, not really doing anything. They don't really have anything that great out front. And uh, as long as I, I don't know what the woman version, I guess, for, for uh, meaty and shiny would be. But, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the female version, you know, to help Jordana bring customers Brewster. in. And it certainly worked. Yeah, Jordana Brewster pretty much took the 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 scene she was in in this and gave it to whoever made those Texas that Texas Chainsaw remake she was in. It was like, you just need me to be sweaty and some jeans. Here you go. I'd do that all day. You know, <laughs> just, I mean, bless her heart. They give her nothing to do except look sweaty and kind of you know make eyes at, at uh, Paul Walker, which I mean, you know, to hear her tell about it. And she not, did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, to hear her tell the stories, I was just like, this is not a hard assignment. Like it was okay. Like I, you know, she, her and Paul were like good friends. And so she had a good time with it, but I like, I like that. She's supposed to be like this. Um, she's the, the straight one, like the good one. Right. You know, she like, she doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, bro, let me just tell you right now. Everybody in this family knows what's going on. Like everybody knows what's going on. They all know who the criminal, like it's, it is what it is. Like it's the, they play it off as if it's victimless crime. Right. Cause we're not really hurting anybody except we're blowing these trucks to <laughs> smithereens basically to steal all this shit. But yeah, it, it's like, oh, it's, it's just a bunch of VCRs or whatever, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't seem to have any real problem with it. And that's what makes this neat is because she describes the group of everybody together when they haven't having like the Sunday dinner thing or whatever is that they're, they're not necessarily a family. They're just like a, a crew and they're a gang and they're running all that. And that gave me the same thoughts that you had, Lindsay, about gone in 60 seconds. I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember like when, you know, we had everybody around and there's big Benny Jones over there and, you know, the, a couple of like Scott Conn, I think's hanging out. There's a, there's a bunch of random people eating barbecue with whatever in the hell Angelina Jolie is doing that movie with her hair. And, and oh, that's the same thing going on here. It's just the same kind of dynamic. Uh, but to me, though, the Gone in 60 Seconds group is seems so like just fake. And just ridiculous. And these people, like, you start to buy it. Like, I, I kind of yeah. buy that they have camaraderie together. Very believable. They're grilling out together. Drinking Coronas. Having a good time. Yeah, product placement 101, by the way. Speaking of marketing. Oh, so much product <laughs> placement. There's a Red Bull, NOS. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the product placement on the cars. All the Mopar. My dad uh, loved drinking NOS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the energy drink? drink? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do they still make that? Yeah. <laughs> I actually asked the same question when we were watching it. It was exactly the same, like, logo and everything, but crazy. That's what got me through those long uh, summer <laughs> landscaping days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, the man. Thing, the thing do. It was yeah. NOS and Rockstar. Those were the two Rock- energy yes. drinks. Only the healthiest drinks. Yep. <laughs> I mean, well, it, it, I think I remember that uh, movie that, uh, oh, what's a, uh, shoot, I just forgot his name now. Um, Paul Rudd was in where he, he plays like a sales rep for one of like the energy drinks or whatever, and it makes you just piss like. Oh, yeah, brain. that's um, Role yeah. Models. Yes, yes. I love that mm-hmm. movie, and I love I love the send-up that it is on the, the energy drinks. Like, so high school kids, don't do drugs. Drink this incredibly concoction. <laughs> it's gasoline, you know, or whatever. Um, no, I, the only thing that was missing from like all the – 
I guess you call it like the garage scenes and stuff like that, the montages they do. Is like I really wanted them to continue to haze Brian more to see if he really knew what he was doing. The fact that he does is kind of neat. And I'm wondering, like, did the cops like just do a like a a survey? Because we don't you learn his backstory in future movies, so I kind of have to put that out of my head that I know sort of where he came from. They don't tell you any of this. Like, did they just sort of go through the academy and go like? Anybody in here ever uh, like work on a car? And <laughs> like, he was the one dude. Like, yeah, I actually know what I'm doing. I, I don't know. It's just funny to find the most unique skill set on earth. That's not something you just pick up. Like, you, like I'm sure Brian, you didn't just one day decide I was going to tear my whole truck apart. Like, you had to figure out how to do that. <laughs> you would think so, <laughs> but that's more or less exactly what happens. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, you learn it by doing it. Like, you don't just one day go like, oh yeah, that guy. You go and be the the infiltrator of the motorheads. Like, you have to like have done it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I kind of get it though. You know, you figure there's going to be thousands of LA cops, right? It's not totally unheard of for, or, or I can't think that it would be totally out of the question uh, to send out a bulletin to say who in your precinct, or do you have anyone that's an absolute gearhead? Um, because I, I know personally, I actually do have cop friends that, that are gearheads. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that aspect kind of was highly relatable for me. But to send out a bulletin to a, a group of police officers and say, is anyone here really interested in, in, in cars or, or know the scene really well? Uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, I don't think he would have had a problem finding anyone. Hmm. Um, so the fact that they were kind of able to find someone that was that was law enforcement, but also knew what they were doing with a wrench didn't didn't totally surprise me. You know, uh, right. a, a lot of guys go down that um, th- that route. Uh, it's it's something very cool to do. And when you're in high school, there's a whole car building scene. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't really a, a part of it then. Um, but, you know, a lot of those guys kind of continued along that route. Some guys continued along that route for a little bit and then went off to the academy. Um, you know, so, so, so for me, I, I guess I, I kind of do get it. So it's it's not really that that unheard of. <laughs> I mean, it is a cool thing, but the funny bit is when they finally do reveal as a cop and they arrest him because they got to make it look good on the street and they take him to the Hollywood mansion that they've just sort of taken over. Some things never change. <laughs> right. I mean, well, yeah, he's doing it. But what I love is that he calls out Levine for like knowing the history of this house is built for Liz Taylor or whatever. And he turns around and he says to his captain, where he was like, see, even the cops in Hollywood are Hollywood. But to be even more sent up, when you go inside, they got all those massive, like compact 386s on the ground, right? I know the computer stuff. And so they're all burning up tons of, you know, I mean, that room probably was 100 degrees just with the fans blowing up those computers. <laughs> and they're all sitting there and they're trying to, like, you know, be tough and, you know, talk back and forth and Ted Levine in his Buffalo Bill voice is like, why don't we all have an iced cappuccino? I'm like, what, yeah. is, <laughs> what is A this? A decaf one nonetheless. I'm like, What's the point? <laughs> you know, so, it's like I mean, an ice cream drink at that point. My first job was as a barista and we would call that a why bother. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as my father told me early on, he's like, let me tell you something, son. Decaf uh, coffee is of the Satan and we don't worship that. <laughs> so, so we do not worship that in this house. Give me let it or let it die. And so, yeah, <laughs> that's what he called it. Absolutely. I'm old, yeah. I'm old enough to remember leaded gas. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're a leaded coffee kind of household for yeah, sure. No doubt. But, uh, yeah. 
back because it's anyway. It's, I love that though. I love that there's again you've got all these good character actors in this movie, and for a movie like this, and Rob Cohen is really good at this. Is like doing these kind of B picture sort of things that were really popular in like the seventies, and they just sort of come around every twenty or thirty years, and they you don't spend a ton of money on them, you make a lot of money off of them, they kind of become these cultural pieces. But the way to pull them off is you've got to have good character actors. Because if you have like big stars, then it sort of overshadows the movie or whatever. And you you staff these things with good character actors when you have these ensemble pieces, it works. Tony Scott was a genius with this. Like all of his 90s and 2000s movies, if you look at them, are loaded with – there's maybe one or two stars, but they're loaded with people that could, you could just drop into different parts and stuff. And that's the same here. I love all these different little people um, that are a part of this, and they just kind of come and go from the – the scene. I mean, I think that there's the guy that, that they're basically running the front out of his like auto parts store, like high end auto parts store, but they, they basically are making him work for free because he, he's a convicted felon. So, <laughs> so like, no, you will be our front with our cop. And so they got him. And then we got to talk about the misdirection bad guy in Johnny Tran, Rick Yoon, who I've seen in so many things, but I will always remember him from Die Another Day, the Bond flick where he gets a diamond oh, shot right. in his face. Yeah. And yeah, he is he is about seven layers of ridiculous <laughs> in, in that movie. And he's no less in this. Uh, I mean, I got a kick out of him. He's got a great, like, I feel like he could cut glass with his cheekbones. Right? I mean, like it, so 10 high. years before, he would have been the bad guy in one of the Karate Kid sequels. And I'm surprised sure. they haven't brought him back on Cobra Cop or something. Yeah, he's got that piercing look for sure. Yeah. He's got it down pat. He's ready to go. I do like the scene where they bust up his family mm. and his dad is just like a – he gives the, I'm disappointed. But then you find out he was like, but not so disappointed. I'm not going to pay your bail. Like, come on, let's be real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was like, we you, do have plenty of money. Right. We, like You get the sense that they, they are like mafia or you know something. They're, they're all crooked, mm-hmm. but he, he got them in trouble. And this is sort of his hobby. But what I love is his little henchman. Yeah, I mean, like little in the oh, in the snakeskin pants. Yeah, the little guy that's always looks like he's like you talk about loaded on caffeine or cocaine uh-huh. or something, and he's always pointing his gun like I'm ready to go. I mean, he's shooting up the world. I guess you everybody has to have a toady. I mean, in the world, <laughs> but, uh, was but the he got taken down the hardest. Yeah, in that, in that, uh, in that scene. Well, yeah, you knew he was gonna die. Like seriously, uh-huh. though. Oh yeah, but no, I'm, I'm talking about the the police breaking initially because he got up and ran, and then more or less got immediately clotheslined across the face, and then brought down straight to his back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he they, he got decked. Yeah. <laughs> when they do the big raid, I think Brian's in yeah. on some of that too. Yeah, yeah. so no, oh, he but, left his feet. Yep. Yeah, no, it was it was a it was a good scene, but I no, I like the fact that they have this whole. Since that again, again, as I said in the plot summary, if it's not obvious that it's clearly Dom's group because they're the only ones that can drive like this, doing all of this, we'll give you an excuse to maybe think it's not for eight minutes. And well, I look, uh, to be yeah. fair, Clark Griswold did it first. I, I do want to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> 
That is also it was the first because that was in the first scene of the movie. We see them go under that semi. Yep. And I was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of Christmas vacation vibes here. <laughs> okay. I got to go a little further back, though. I've seen Smokey and the Bandit and yep. Burt Reynolds hides his Trans Am underneath Jerry Reed's truck a few times. <laughs> doing that. <laughs> seen that I, I think one of uh, uh, his best lines is as he is about to crash through one as he tells his deputy son uh, duck are you going to be talking out of your ass <laughs> and, uh, and they, they top off of that Pontiac Bonneville uh, but no I, I mean I love that though. I love all that weaving in and out and stuff and I mean the, again that, it wasn't the actors but they got real drivers doing that shit and I'm like that is pretty crazy like i mean i know stunt people like are you got to be on a different level to pull that off anyway but what's crazy is is that they convinced matt schultz the director and the stunt people like no bro you need to be hanging off the end of this semi truck with like you're not really getting your arm basically cut off by this wire but you need to be up there doing it because we can't do it with a stunt person it'll look weird so they convinced this guy who had no training at all to do it they're yanking this semi down the highway at 70 miles an hour and he's hanging up there so they inducted him into the like the stuntman guild after that because he, he <laughs> that's so awesome. Well. And he that's was like, cool. "I," he said, "Can you see the look of terror on my face?" <laughs> he said, "I thought <laughs> I was going to die." It played <laughs> really moment. well on camera, though. <laughs> I mean, it, it really did. is a good. I mean, the action in this movie isn't is really intense. I mean, I, to borrow the line, mm-hmm. it is very fast and it is very furious, and it makes it fun. I mean, because you just go from beat to beat to beat. There's maybe about 20 minutes in the movie where it tries to kind of slow down, but even then it's just montage it all over the place. So it, the, this movie never really stops. It's pretty much hitting the gas the whole time. It really is. And I think that's why it's still around because yeah. it's something that, it, you know, to, to everyone today, it's still hitting the gas. It's, it's still fun. Um, it, and, and something like this is to me, it's timeless. I, you know, I don't know that it's ever really going to lose its edge. Well, let's talk about the way the heists go down and how they do them. Like the just the the stunt piece that it is, but also does it need to be that elaborate if you just want to rip off a truck of DVD players? I mean, they've got a harpoon gun going. You got three cars zipping in between. It's like there's some Batman level shit going on here to try to steal the truck. Okay, I'm not sure what the ROI is on a truck full of DVD players. Maybe it's at the not, I mean, but yeah. at the time, like DVD players weren't that. I mean, it's got to be pretty expensive. It's got to be pretty good. What what would they be taking down today, though? PS5s. Yeah. Where are are they? I was going to say, can you find a truck of those? I don't know that there are many of them. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? No, they they would be doing crypto or something right now. (laughs) (laughs) The mad scientists would be making all their money. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know what what they would be taking in a day. And as as these movies have progressed, the the heists have kind of gone away. Like the last good one was the first one that The Rock was in, and they drag a safe through like Brazil, basically, with a couple of uh, uh, Fords or, or a couple of GTOs. Which I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, and didn't sure I thought it was cool. It's also ridiculous, but yeah, it's fine, you know. But I mean, I think I think when they started like racing a tank down the Autobahn was when I was like, okay, we've just kind of gone into a different level now. We're not really stealing anything anymore. We're just doing crazy shit to do it. But and I haven't but seen the last one. I understand. I mean, I haven't seen the last one. I understand they went to space, and I'm like, it took you nine movies, you know, to finally get there. But uh, I haven't seen the last one either. I haven't yeah. Either. 
But that, that's all I know about it is apparently there's some bit of space to it. But uh, I mean, I, I thought it was cool. I mean, they do have a whole bit about like, there's a local fence that you can move all these through. I'm like, bro, where are you? Are, are there that many pawn shops to roll those DVD players through? Or are you just <laughs> shipping them back somewhere else? Like, I don't know. I, I was impressed with the, uh, there was like a, but there's like this whole network of, of crime to happen. And this movie is, again, is not interested in explaining all of it to you. Like this is a Michael Mann movie. They'd spend an hour on that, but I kind of wanted it, I guess, because I'm, I'm in that mindset when I'm watching this. I'm like, but what, but why? Cause like in point break, you just steal the money from the bank. Like I see the cash. I know what happens, but <laughs> there's like a lot of transactions that have to happen. Well, now I've got the DVD player. Now I got to move it. You know? Yeah. But like, Okay, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they they stole from semis that were just parked on the street and unloading stuff. So fair. Maybe it was maybe it was something like that, you know, Shredder's underlayer of I don't know reselling. I look, crime costs money to pay for, kids. We got to fund it some way. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just think that some VCRs. I, I think back to, to Axel Foley and, and his uh, stolen cigarette truck in the original Beverly Hills Cop. Federal tax stamp. You can't get any more legit than that. So, <laughs> you, know, you wonder if, like, look, look it's, it's even got the sticker on it. So from Panasonic. Panasonic. Can you see it? You know, it's pretty obvious <laughs> to make sure that the box is clear when they're ripping it off. But Being a no, trucker I, is terrifying. Okay. I carry a shotgun, too. There's a whole subplot they cut out of this though, and I kind of wish they had put on it because they the cops talk about it in this movie that like the reason there's a ticking clock is that like we've got to you know find out who's doing this because the truckers union has mobilized and they're going to take matters in their own hands and it was going to be the third act was supposed to be the truckers at war with the race car drivers and I'm like (laughs) the hell yes bring that I wanted to see more of that because nameless murderous I just called him JT Walls trucker because he probably was him you know that character actor like this murderous trucker versus the the street racers I was here for it like that would have been cool it's like dual meets you know point break it would have been a blast i just think the whole thing could have been avoided if dom's crew cut the truck driver in on the takedown it's really that simple pay him off a little bit it's an insurance claim i'm actually i think the mafia used to do it in new york um (laughs) but you know yeah i mean so why let's think it through I, I like the way Brian thinks here. It also scares me just a little bit. But, um, but, but you're right. <laughs> like, you know, we can do this a lot less messier if we just pay the you dude off. do it that way. But That's then we wouldn't have a movie. Then we wouldn't right, have true. a movie. True. It would, it would be the, the slow and the tedious at that point. <laughs> the slow and the friendly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, this would not be nearly as fun that way. But no, I... I do like, what did y'all make though of, uh, and cause I got questions. Why did Jesse, who is the mad scientist engineer kid, you know, whatever, decide all of a sudden, no, I've got to not only race at race wars, I've got to race the fastest dude out here, not named Dom. I'm like, bro, like, what are you doing? And I, I don't understand his motivation for doing that. Was he, who was he trying to prove anything to? His dad, for when his dad gets out of prison. Oh, that was what he said. He wanted it. to okay. win so that he had another car or something. He wanted to make his dad proud when his dad got out of prison. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe his dad was close to getting out of prison and he just felt like he needed to do something. Win him a car. Yeah. You know, what else yeah. do you do when your dad gets out of prison? Yeah, because he hadn't, you know, 
finished high school or gone to college or anything like that, but he does all this really crazy, crazy stuff with cars that, you know, that well, should got, have put him in MIT according to Paul Walker. So, right. I got, I got a kick out of his, out of his floppy disc of doom, but that incredible <laughs> schematic that he had going there. I'm like, bro, that's actually pretty good. Like in 2001, I, when I saw that. I was like, Oh man, computers can do that shit. Like, I've I, never I, seen that on a floppy disc. That to mm-hmm. me was the most unrealistic part of the movie. There's no <laughs> way you can get that like, much data on a floppy disk. <laughs> you, you'd have like two zip discs to make that yeah. work. <laughs> so, and, and even then, it probably would not have run that fast. Like that computer, no way, would have, no, it would have barely turned. Yeah, that was that was a little bit of movie magic for us there. But he runs away. That's really what sits the third act into the all hell breaking loose. He runs away, and Johnny Tran is like, "Man, I was going to kill all y'all anyway, but now I guess I'm going to do it early." Okay. And <laughs> meanwhile, Brian is like, "No, I want in. You know, you got to cut me in. We're down a guy because you know it takes five guys to do this job. That again, if we just pay the trucker off." Yeah, Brian's right, right, but no, we do it the hard way. So, but I love, I love how Brian does swoop in here and and reveals himself. And like the, I'll give Vin Diesel this: the look on his face when Brian's going like Officer O'Connor four five four one two. I need a medevac. He looks at him like. Son of a bitch. I can't believe you. <laughs> this idiot wrote down here bleeding out on the desert was right and I was wrong. And you tapping my sister, mom will kill you four times. Like it's just a look <laughs> on his face. It was amazing. It was I, I got a real, real kick out of that. Uh, and it lingered. Yeah. They left it on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just uh like they they really they really bit into that. The look to me was like, I, I, if you weren't going to save my friend, I would kill you right now. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a twinge of sadness in his eyes, too. Like, I kept waiting for, like, the single tear to go. I'm like, because they left it on him so long. I'm like, man, they really want Vin to go through the emotions with this. Like, mm-hmm. he's supposed to oh, yeah. really be crushed by this whole thing. I wonder thing. how many times they had to do that scene to get I, it just so. I know. I, I don't know, man, but. Ooh, it, he it he let it all go. I mean, it was that was definitely his face moment for this. Uh, but of course, you know, we got to keep going because not only is my friend bleeding to death in, in the desert, and the truckers got away, so I've blown my heist. But my, I, I've got to go find my uh, engineer friend because the, the Johnny Tran gang is coming to shoot me <laughs> off. So, I mean, that, like everything that could have gone bad that Thursday happened. <laughs> whew, it was not a, a good day, day for Dom. It's going to be a long day. It was, yes. That was not good. But uh, you talk about somebody that got taken down hard. Poor Jesse got shot to hell and back, man. They, they killed him three times. It was, whew. I was surprised the level of violence in a movie that was PG-13. And I understand they had to cut that down a good bit to keep from getting an R rating because it was pretty, pretty vast. I actually said when the movie started, I didn't realize this was PG-13. I thought it was, I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know. I don't remember what it was. Like movie ratings mean nothing to me anymore. So it's, you know. Look, I, I was disappointed he got shot. Let, let's I'm gonna start there. But let's also point out if 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 someone is looking for you, I'm not gonna park my totally in your face car in the middle of the street and then start walking up the sidewalk to a house that I regularly frequent to go hide. <laughs> yes. 
You know, you're kind of putting yourself on display. I, he's got a garage. Could have parked the car back there, brought the car in up on the lawn, a little something, mm-hmm. you know? Well, he wasn't really, you know, he's got ADD. He doesn't think things through sometimes, you know? He's thinking about other stuff. He's focused on other stuff. But, but he is intelligent with all his designs he yeah. put together. Like, he's able to solution things. You know, he can see a problem through. I just found it interesting that that's it, that they chose to do it in that matter, I guess. I, I felt like... Movie. I felt like they were at a point where they're like, we just need to let Johnny Trans group get him and kill him because then that'll set Dom and Brian, like the enemy, my enemy is my friend. We have, they have to team up, even though they know the truth about each other at that point to go take down these these bad guys. We have to have an excuse for that to happen. And we just need to let it go. And I'm sure someone in the room was like, so he's going to park the bright white and silver car that he pretty much just stole <laughs> out in the broad daylight. Right. <laughs> but... Sure. I mean, yeah, it is a little bit of a means to an end. I was like, well, that, that was a little perfunctory, but I guess we were getting to the point where we needed to get it done. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted him to live too. I'm like, like if you're Johnny Tran, isn't it more like, you know what? We could shoot this dude and I, I'm justified in doing so in my own like evil Akuza way. But maybe, maybe just maybe we shoot him in the foot and we make him come to work for us. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, kind of like what they did with Ted. Yeah. 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 I mean, force fed him oil and then uh, he's gonna he say, had to go find the engines. Exactly. Yeah, they kind of, yeah, it was like a weird waterboarding, but oil boarding. Oh, the minute like he started boarding. going like, do you think 30 weight or 40 weight? I'm like, oh man, I forgot. We're going to make this boy eat some oil. Who <laughs> 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 was coming? Like, oh yeah, that's oh, what he's about to yeah. get pumped full. I thought he yeah. was going to die, honestly. I was like, oh, does he die? I don't remember this part. Yeah. But. And maybe Still, that's Johnny Train's fatal, fatal flaw. He can't he can't see of turning more people onto his side. He just he just destroys in front of him. He doesn't he doesn't mm-hmm. have the, the vision, which is why he dies of horrendous death. <laughs> and yeah. So he gets sideswiped by a couple of cars. Uh, but yeah, so we 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 dispatch those dudes. But we got to have one final race. And I got to say, I love that Dom's like I'm going old school, and he breaks out the big muscle car. I, that was cool. I'm like, yeah, now that's that's pretty sweet. But I wanted to know, and I don't know, so I got to ask, Brian, I'm leaning on your knowledge here. Is there any way that Supra would have kept up with that car in real life? Are they that evenly matched at that point? It's possible, I suppose. I mean, those two Jay-Z engines were were very popular, and you you can modify them. To a pretty big extent. I mean, what you're looking at here is 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 um, power to weight ratio, right? You know, uh, what Dom had is is obviously a much larger, heavier, uh, full steel tank, um, and then what Brian had was was significantly lighter, uh, front wheel drive, uh, and of course, it's it's from a physics perspective, it's easier to pull than push. Um, so what Dom had was a rear wheel drive car. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's possible that that they could have been able to keep up with each other like they did. I also wonder if if at any time Dom as the character would have been like, you know, all I got to do is just jerk a little bit to the left, and his car is going to be a billion pieces, and mine's going <laughs> to have a scratch on it because. <laughs> That is also a physics problem that I understand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially when they really lead up. Yeah, yeah. Right? At that point, yeah, you think think it would have known at that point. But it's a pretty great race, though. They, I mean, for something that's supposed to be a ten second race, this movie does a good job of 
putting you in the driver's seat of that seems like a really fast, but it it may go by very slowly when you're trying to do the 400 things at once you've got to do to be able to, to make that work. I, I got a kick out of the, the last race, mostly that they, they both made the train jump. And in the celebration is when Tom's like, Oh shit, there's a truck pulling out in front of me. And that, yeah. And if he had been in Brian's car, he would have been a billion pieces. But the fact that he was in that hunk of metal, he survived that incredible, uh, roll flip. That's true. My first thought was, oh my God, was he wearing his seatbelt? I don't remember if he was wearing his seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> I know he lives because he's in a bunch more movies. But... Right. It's not Tom. It's his and then he just crawls out the window like <laughs> Yeah. That felt like shiny very... meat stick Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like very like a good eighties movie trope though. Like these guys would do these insane things and then walk out with like it's dusty, you know. <laughs> and again, he's very yeah, slow was... in that moment. Was that movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, oh, last action hero? Yeah, where yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the action hero, and it's then a, he pretty much all of the eighties Arnold flicks were that. Like yeah. I, I dare anyone to go watch commando and the thing that he talk about, uh, feats of physics, the things that that <laughs> man does in that movie are insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, but okay. So we get to the last moment here where Brian's like, no, I owe you the 10 second car. So he lets him off the hook. He lets him go away. And I wanted to get both of your interpretations. Why do you think he let him go? Because he values respect more, uh, really, than anything else. And that that was kind of a foreshadow at the beginning of the movie with that first race. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to me, they, they, there was a little bit of that locking eyes. Like, uh, you know, you, you and me are here for the respect and, and everyone else here. All these kids are really kind of here for the money and the show. But what we're both here for is kind of the reputation and, and, and the street cred is, is really what we're looking for. Um, so, you know... I kind of like, I, I did like it. I, it. It did make sense to me with, with why he let him go. Yeah. I think he found his family and he recognized that too. I mean, there are a few lines where his, his boss, I mentioned, you know, you, some family you choose or something. I can't remember exactly what the exact line was, but he said, you know, you need to think about that. Yeah. And I think he thought about that and I don't know that, Dom was his family at that point. I mean, I think he even says it to Mia when she finally realizes that he's a cop and he's revealed that to her. He's like, look, everything I said was me. I'm just, you know, this is just what I do, you know, which is Mm -hmm. similar from a lot of other movies I've seen. But no, I like it. I buy buy it, Brian. I'm really glad you mentioned that too because it reminded me that that's what he says when he says he wants to race Dom. He's like, look, I ain't got any money, but I'll race you for, you know, the pink slips or whatever. But, but if I win, mm-hmm. you got to give me the respect because he wants, right. he wants to be not only in the crowd, but you got to like say, you know, this guy, he's legit. And so, yeah, it is all about the respect, but do we respect this movie enough? I guess it's time for final thoughts, recommendations and popcorn mm-hmm. ratings. So what are yours for the fast and the furious, Brian? Oh, this is this is not fair. I'm always biased when it comes to car <laughs> movies. I mean this this is one of those this is one of those first really really good car movies kind of of the 2000s. I would say, um, you know, it wasn't something like the Cannonball Run. It wasn't a street race from Happy Days or anything like that. It had good action, um, good good character actors in it. 
Um, for me, it's it's a large popcorn. It's a timeless classic, and it's always going to be up there for me. Um, plus, it's it's a car movie. You know, so like, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, I, I would give it I would give it all the fixings, and and it would be a, a good large. Liz, man, <laughs> I I I'm a little torn because rewatching this movie, I don't I don't have a ton of like negative things to say about it. It's just a really fun movie. And and it's seriously just like clip after clip after clip of these these really cool things that is basically made for trailers. So it's just a movie of really sick trailer shots like for an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes. Like that's all you're watching. And I started taking notes at the beginning of the movie and then halfway through, I just stopped and I just like, I just watched it. Cause that's, you know, it's action after action after action. I think for what it is. Um, and it did take me back to my, you know, say, sophomore you year that, of high school. You mentioned that on more than one occasion. About, <laughs> well, just like how much like it reminded you of, of all those fun times and, and everything. And I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a large popcorn, I think. Yep. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to give it a large popcorn. You know, they don't make this kind of thing in mass cinema anymore. The Mm-mm. big budget B movie popcorn knows what it is. And it's just friggin' fun. It's not going to ask a lot of you. Doesn't need a lot from you. Just get in, buckle up and have a good time. <laughs> Literally. And I miss that. I, I know, I know there's like a whole action movie scene that, that does this and, and they exist in lots of places and cool. Do all those. Yes. But they don't do this in mass market the way that they did in the nineties and the two thousands. And gosh, I forgot how much I missed it. You know, I mean, I realized it really gave me a sense of nostalgia of like, man, they just don't do these anymore. And I, gosh, I wish they would. And maybe, you know, everything comes around another time or another. So maybe the, they'll do them again at some point, but Jesus movies, a lot of fun. I mean, again, I, I was trying to take notes too. And I was like, I don't know why I'm writing any of this down. I know what's going to happen. I know this movie. So well. I, mean, I, I could have wrote that plot summary without thinking about it. It'll be real much the like Ron, you know I mean? That was, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I know what happens. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, is it any fun getting there? You know? And that's half the fun of, of this movie in particular. Now this series has its own ups and downs and I have, there's certain ones that I, I happen to really like. Again, I haven't seen the ninth one, but I've seen all the other ones and I think I saw all of them in theaters. And so I, you know, go with them for different things, but just as its own standalone piece of like, if they'd never done anything else after this, I gotta say, this is a lot of fun and it was a fun adventure to go on and it's just a good ride. It's like a, a roller coaster that I know really well. I've ridden it a hundred times, but am I going to get on it again? Yeah. And I'm going to enjoy it just the same, even though I'm old and it's probably going to hurt, but whatever. I mean, you, know, you don't put a lot of thought into it. You're going to get a lot from this. This movie is like a big tub of popcorn. And I'm not like that. So I'm, I'm large popcorn on it too, man. Fade the haters. This movie's fun. And if you can't have fun with this, like, you, need to, you need to examine your priorities a lot. Like not everything needs to be a Kubrick examination or, you know, I don't need to feel like I'm taking a test. Like every time I watch a Nolan film, you know, I love his stuff, but geez, you know, sometimes I just need this. And uh, no, this was a lot of fun to, to get into here. And I'm glad we got to talk about it 
here on the show. So Brian, Lizzie, thanks again for joining me on this episode of Filmstrip. Folks, you can follow the show social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter for as long as it still exists. Instagram, Facebook, Mastodon, all the <laughs> other places that, that are out there. You'll find announcements about upcoming shows link to our letterbox page really just go to filmstrippodcast.com that's going to take you to all of our distribution site massive platform out there 300 plus episodes tons of things for you to enjoy please share the show on your social media and leave us a positive review it helps other people find the podcast until next time for brian and Lindsay, i'm jay thank you for listening to filmstrip thank you for listening to filmstrip you can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.